Trash Cinema. Hey everybody, welcome to Trash Cinema. This episode we continue our discussion of the Grindhouse film series from Dimension, which actually took a weird road because Harvey Weinstein decided, nope, no more Disney money to keep us afloat. We're on our own. We're not going to fund any spinoffs. But there's a weird road where it took into... Like, okay, so Hellride is not technically a Grindhouse film. It is produced by Tarantino. It is a love letter to old drive-in Grindhouse movies, the biker film. Have you seen Hellride? Mm-hmm. I have not seen Hellride. It is not good, but I feel like that should have been... A, <laughs> it's not. It's just one of these self-indulgent. Tarantino probably just said, hey, I'll put my name on it. Um, I'll get you some funding, and you can put it out. Uh, Larry Bishop, I think, is who it was that produced it. He's in Kill Bill 2. Um and it's just like him and Michael Madsen and a bunch of other guys that are like, oh, I recognize that face. I don't know who they are. And it's just a, a 60s biker movie. It's just not that good. It's not terrible. It's just uh, barely interesting. Oh, all right. I got, I got nothing to say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, the trailers <laughs> that showed uh, between the two movies, I think they all showed between. But we had um, uh, Don't, right, was the one with... Uh, um, Shit, my memory's gone. I was going to say Simon Pegg. It's not Simon Pegg. Edward... It's not Simon Pegg. Edgar Wright. Yes. Yeah, so that one clearly was never going to be a movie. He was just farting around. There's no plot. It's just fun to watch. Uh, Yeah, from what I remember, because I never saw this in theaters, but I talked to my friends who saw it in the theaters multiple times, that there was like two of the fake trailers before the movie and then two in between. Oh, yeah, I can uh, see that, yeah. And they had these interstitials where they would show you, oh, this is R-rated, and then the little cat would come in and, and uh, uh, turn to a puma and say, hey, you can't you know, watch this if you're under 18. Um, I think Don't was the first trailer. It might have been Machete. Uh, mm. And Machete is the one that everybody went fucking apeshit for. I mean, I'm in... I'm in an, oh, a, it was fantastic. Yeah, we saw it the second day it was out, and it was three-quarters full that weekend. That's why I was surprised it wasn't a big hit, because... I just assumed with that many people there on a Saturday afternoon, not even night. We went like at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, this thing's going to be fucking huge. And then like, eh, I made like $9 million. What? <laughs> Actually, I went, to the, I went to the opening night, like the midnight showing, uh, with, with my friend. And there was like 10 people. It okay. was not a huge opening. Oh, all right. Well, that's weird. Maybe we're just it, in a very particular. Um, uh, so Machete became the first spinoff from this, and Fox picked it up after I believe he got independent funding for it. Dumped on Labor Day weekend, uh, either against Piranha or real close to Piranha, the the remake, and both did mm-hmm. fairly well for low budget movies. I think I think uh, Machete cost ten million dollars and made twenty five. Really it looked fantastic. Well, a lot of it's uh, reused footage from the trailer, and Robert That's Rodriguez true. is the king of. Uh, shooting very fast, very tight, and just he knows how to use special effects. Mm-hmm. He, does he also doesn't know how to uh, direct actors. That's something that he's mentioned. Yeah. It's, uh... And that's very obvious when you watch his movie. <laughs> still. My favorite thing from the trailer is introducing John, uh, Don Johnson. I was like, that's funny. I, I get that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even catch that. That's hilarious. Yeah. The uh, and I believe the first machete is so much more important than the second one. The second one's more self indulgent fun, um, but the first one actually. I could go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. I was like, I couldn't watch the the second one. I watched the opening scene, and I was like, this is just hot garbage. And yeah. I when it I off. say no, I don't mean I don't mean I I thought it was fun. I just mean when he went into the filming that he didn't have any social commentary or sub, you know, subconscious flow of what was important to him. It was just like, hey, I got uh, fifteen million dollars to do this one. Let's just do whatever the fuck we want. I don't I don't like the right, second yeah. one. I, machete kills is not good. And people keep saying, oh, there's gonna be machete kills again or machete kills in space. I don't want it. Fuck yeah, it. it's no. going to be a space movie. No, don't want it. Yeah, no, nah, I don't really care for it. I mean, Jason in space was good, but other than that, that's about it. Yeah, there's never been a good monster in space, as far as I know. You know where they take a franchise into space, I should say. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, are, you, are you forgetting Alien? Shut Jason? up, shut up, no. I meant, I meant like <laughs> Leprechaun and Hellraiser and Critters. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, um... The first one, it's actually it's more important now than I think ever because it really deals with the whole concept of make America great again and the wall and immigrants and shit like that. Who would have thought that would be a pretty accurate right? depiction of the future? Ten years ago, it seemed like <laughs> almost parody. And nope, no. Yeah, now it's like literally, like a presidential candidate is driving around shooting Mexicans at the border. It's like that's that's not too far off. You yeah. Know? Um. Oh, it's just it, it, it's still not great when it comes to like you said acting. Um, it's it's a little more self indulgent, but there's crazy stuff in there. When he ran out a window tied to intestines, I was oh like, my God. "Yeah, this movie goes there." That's it's bananas. I still think Piranha, which is a, a really close, has the same kind of mentality, like the self indulgent craziness. But Piranha is better. Yeah, Piranha. That's another one we didn't even mention last time uh, of movies that were kind of in the vein of bringing back the grindhouse feel. That was another one that uh, did pretty well. Yeah, the um, I, don't, I still don't understand how it is that he makes these movies so cheaply. But then you look at the cast, you're like, well, isn't that ten million dollars right there? Yeah, I, well, I mean, he likes to shoot in Mexico. It's cheaper and uh, abuses the laborers there. So you know, that's there's that. But... No, I'm pretty sure a lot of times like, he, sh- he shoots in Texas. So let's not go into that. I don't I don't know if he actually shoots in Mexico very often. I don't know, but I'm talking about well, I'm for. Like, for his Desperado trilogy, for sure. Yeah. But I don't know about his other ones. Well, and Dust Till Dawn, I know, was. But how do you get Robert yeah. De Niro? Robert De Niro must have just wanted to really do this. And, and I didn't know at the time that he was very political. And he must have said, this is actually a pretty important concept for a crazy Grindhouse movie. Yeah, you know what? I'll do this. I'll do it for, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Just shoot everything in two or three days. I'm good. Yeah. Steven Seagal is fucking ridiculous, I mean, though. I don't know what they paid him, but oh he clearly is not there to play. He's just, like... Yeah, I guess give me the check. Just deposit into my account. We're good. He's he's sitting for about ninety percent of the movie. He doesn't even let Machete kill him. That was actually part of the contract. Yeah. He says, "You can't yeah. kill me. My ego can't stand it. My fans can't stand it. So you'll stab me, but I will choose to die." Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the fuck that was going on, man. I mean, it was funny because it's so unexpected. Yeah. But when you realize why they made that decision, it just makes it really sad is he playing a mexican drug lord yes dude He's... that's what's so funny about it. he doesn't even attempt that accent. oh my god it's ridiculous well i can't even figure out steven seagal he has the weirdest accent i've ever heard i've seen so many movies where he goes around talking like he's from the hood and i'm like no stop <laughs> talking like you're black please stop that you are clearly just a dopey oh, fat lord. white guy <laughs> yeah and then sometimes yeah, he acts like so, he's Asian. Anyway. I don't understand who he is. It's almost like he does it on purpose so you can't figure out who he is. Because as far as I can tell, his life is an entire lie. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck is going on. Like, that dude... I mean, I could talk about just how much I dislike him for 
ever. Actually, we I think we have done an episode about that, but um, yeah, like the whole story of him just being picked out, or like I could make the biggest asshole in this room a, a movie star, and then they just happen to pick him. Oh yeah, we did talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did talk about that. Well, in, in <laughs> just, anyway, the juxtaposition between him and Danny Trejo is insane. Danny Trejo is known for being absolutely grounded and real. You know, and he will help out on student films. Yes, he appears in a thousand movies a year, and most of them are terrible. But you know what I didn't know is that most of them were like these small independent movies that wouldn't get made if he didn't sign on. And he usually does it for scale. He does a lot of student movies for scale just to get them made. Yeah, he's a great dude. What does he have, like Um, a a taco uh, truck that he goes around giving food to the homeless or something like that? Does he really, or he donates to the charity? But yeah, he has a food truck where he helps out, and, and, and part of it is he hires kids who um, need to learn what it's like to run a business. And he gives back, and I think it's because he knew he fucked up. I mean, I, I'm sure you know the yeah. story in the 80s that he was part of an armed robbery team, and he went to jail for a while, so... Yeah, take that Andrew Yang. That's a real <laughs> Give there, me there's a taco truck. <laughs> the... Um, what was it? So apparently, Machete is from Spy Kids, which is crazy to me. Wait, hold on. Go. Uh, what, what did you just say? So Danny Trejo's character, the uncle in the Spy Kids franchise, is the same character. He's Uncle Machete. Are you? Sh- nope. That's what I've read, and that's what I've heard is that it's the same character. Well, okay. First of all, that's awesome. And second of all, what the fuck? Why? <laughs> the um. <laughs> The I would, that, like uh, Spy Kids would have been so much better if they were talking to their uncle and it's like, oh, did other guys ever tell you about the time they had a three way in a hot tub? Yeah, like yeah. that would have made those movies so much better. Or I grabbed a man by the mouth and I jumped off a building and I ripped his jaw right off and then I used that jaw to yeah. stab the guy that was down on the ground waiting for me. <laughs> 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 I want to fucking see that in a movie now. Let's see someone rip someone's jaw off and yeah. stab him in the eye. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the, some of the other cameos in this real quick. Uh, we have Cheech coming back. Who um, I gotta tell you, I've been watching the Cheech and Chong movies. Holy fucking shit! What a phone-in bullshit performance by those two. When he left the duo, is when he became a good actor. Hmm, interesting. I, I haven't really seen the old ones. Yeah, I watched Cheech and Chong. Um, still smoking? Or no? It's a uh, next movie. Cheech and Chong's the next movie, which is the second one. And clearly by this point, they're completely out of material. Someone just gave them $2 million, go do whatever you want. There is no plot. It is just them fucking around for 90 minutes, and I was so miserable. And I'm like, this is the second of five Chicha Chong movies. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it this whole thing. How? I mean, like, how do you even make more than one movie? It's just based on, like, two guys that smoke weed. That's yeah. the joke. Well, here's the deal. Is they offered uh, stripes to them. And they refused because they wanted complete creative control. And then look at it. Bill Murray and Harold Ramis make like $81 million off an $8 million action movie. And then Cheech and Chong's career just went straight down the tubes. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. But Cheech is a lot of fun in the, uh, the Robert Rodriguez movies. I especially enjoy him as the crazy lunatic outside of the titty twister in uh, uh, Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, he and this uh, shotgun toting priest. He does a good job here too. Yeah, God forgives. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so many great lines. It's it's a fantastic movie. I think the the opening of this movie is is one of the best in uh, 
Rodriguez's catalog. Yeah. Do you like the uh, end, of, though? Of scenes to get you excited for the movie and to kind of give you a taste of, like, what this is going to be, I think this is such a good opening. Yeah. I don't like the ending, though. I really could have done without Lindsay Lohan's character. I don't even fucking understand why it's even there. It seems so pointless. And it seemed like it was probably expensive to get her for a couple days. Yeah, I have no idea what that was about. She's completely useless to the plot. Yeah, her character doesn't even make sense, though, because she jumps from one thing to another within, like, minutes of each other. Right, yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't get into that. I do love the, the the glorious ending for Robert De Niro is that he gets shot, but he has a bulletproof vest, and then he goes off running, <laughs> and he's by the border, and everybody thinks he's um, <gasps> an immigrant, and then they just shoot him, and they're like, well, you reap what you sow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, great movie. The special effects are surprisingly good for uh, how cheap this movie is. I didn't yeah. even know it was that cheap. Yeah, and the second one, I just don't understand. It's almost like his ideas were too big for the budget, so the special effects look way worse. Mel Gibson is completely like, what the fuck were you thinking, Robert Rodriguez? You just wanted a big name yeah. for nothing because at the time he was toxic. Oh, yeah. Just, what, what was that, like 2015 when that movie came out? 13, I think. I think it came out right at the same oh. time Expendables 3 came out. Oh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say skip the second one. The first one just stands on its own. Um, so the other trailers that were in there were uh, Werewolf Women of the SS, I think, was one of them. Rob, Rob Zombie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that was never meant to be a movie, but I almost no. wonder because I just want to see Nick... No, no, it's all sorts of offensive. Who are we kidding? We can't have a movie that have werewolf Nazis, and we can't have Nicolas Cage as Fu Manchu. I mean, if you're going to do that, you got to have, like, a really solid hero to kill all of them. Yeah. Um, something like, like, have you seen Kung Fury? Yes. Like, that, that could work if it was that kind of movie. Yeah. But, yeah. And, uh... So we didn't get the hobo with a shotgun trailer here. We it was a Canada only because Alliance bought the uh, well they they paid some for some of the budget, but they also bought the Canadian rights, and so they did their own trailer. And I gotta tell you, hobo with a shotgun. The first time I saw it, I was so grossed out and I couldn't even I could barely get through it. The second time, I was almost revolted at first, but then I relaxed and I kind of went with the flow and I really got where this guy was going. And I was like. I didn't know exploitation was even a thing, but it was. There's a whole stream of movies even, in the 70s it even and 80s. has Ricky yeah. from Trailer Park Boys in it. Like, how much more Canadian can you get? Yeah, but I'm saying, like, uh, David Cronenberg kicked the door open for Canadian exploitation films in the 70s, and I didn't know that there was a whole string of horror exploitation films that were coming out of Canadian tax shelter money for from, like, 75 to 85, and this was a whole thing. And Hobo with a Shotgun is a love letter to those fucking bonkers-ass movies. Weird. We're going to have to watch some of those then. Uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something to show you. The, um, Definitely. It, it, it's truly disgusting, though. And it goes there. It goes. You think Machete is crazy with the gore? You think Planet Terror goes too far? Hobo with a Shotgun will go beyond anything you imagine. It goes beyond gross into, oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, like one of the first scenes is someone tying, what was it, like barbed wire around somebody's neck and then driving a car and ripping the head off. Yeah. And like a blood fountain comes out and then women are like rubbing the blood all over them. Yeah, it's bananas. Like it goes crazy. And it just starts that way. Yeah. And there's no explanation. It's not like a Mad Max world. It just happens to be this small little town is just a fucking nightmare. 
It's, well, it's just run by one family, and so it's just like they have this empire that people can't escape from, and so it's just kind of this Caligula-like uh, place. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing is that also feels more um, important now than it ever was when it was filmed, because they just kept looking up going, yeah, that's the Trump family. Yeah, that's totally them. That's the self-indulgent sons, that's the crazy dad, grease back hair, and completely corrupt and want to do whatever they want, and no one should stop them, because if they do, their lives will be destroyed. And again, it's one of those things that, like, you when you watch RoboCop in the '80s, you're like, "Oh, that's ridiculous. That wouldn't happen." But like, a company owning a city—that's totally possible now. Yeah, it's insane. Or, or I, mean, a police force. I mean, that like when Amazon is trying to like put a one of their factories in a town, like they literally are bargaining to be on the the board of the city. So like, yeah. that shit is real. Well, I mean, Scientology bought a fucking town in Florida. <laughs> yeah. And don't oh tell me God, that's yeah, not a business. Yeah. That is a business. That's not a religion. Yeah. I think most. I think most yeah, big. Yeah, they've just been buying these properties left and right, yeah. and then all of a sudden, like people are looking into it and they're like, "Holy shit!" They own like almost this entire city. Yeah, now. It, it's nuts. Um, I mean, in a way, Disney and stuff like that. They, they universally bought up huge chunks of Florida and California. They just own towns. Yeah, welcome to uh, welcome to your Disney future, everybody. Everyone get Disney Plus. And just ignore what's happening. <laughs> oh, I just think about idiocracy when Costco... There's a, there's a baby Yoda, everyone. Look over there. <laughs> well, and Costco. Do you remember? Costco right and idiocracy <laughs> when it's in, it's a fucking town. The, the, the store is the biggest thing you've ever seen, and everybody works there. Welcome to Costco. I love you. <laughs> birds are birds and trees are growing and, and living inside that building. is nuts. But... Um, so that's kind of the idea. And Rudger Hauer, I mean, this is towards the end of his career, and he just gives a bananas, but also very sincere, heartfelt performance. I absolutely oh my god, he it. goes all out for this ridiculous movie. Yeah, and I don't know if he did it because he just needed the cash, or he saw something in this. Because yes, he did low budget movies quite often, but it's almost as if he saw something in this crazy sleaze that he connected <clears throat> to, and he like gave it everything instead of phoning it in. Yeah, it's. I think he really he might have just connected with the 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 hobo character. I mean, the, the idea of him wanting to live this life, but you know, this life of peace. You know, he just wants to buy a fucking lawnmower and just wants to mow lawns. That's all he wants to do. Um, but there's this town of corrupt people, and he feels like if nobody else is going to stand up, someone has to. Yeah. Decides to do that, and it's such an interesting. He, he plays such an interesting character because he plays it so sincere. For a movie this crazy. Oh yeah, and, and he juxtaposition to the over the top performance by some of the villains. The kid Gregory Smith, who was in oh, uh, Everwood um, and Small Soldiers, and, and, and I'm sure he took this role because he was known as being a nice, sweet little boy on every movie and TV show he was cast in. He is just horrific in this. And his brother, yeah. the big doofus, I don't know his name. Those guys are just truly menacing. Nothing matters to them. It's just life is just a game to them. It's so strange. Yeah, and, and they do horrible, grotesque things to everybody. Yeah, <laughs> including their own family. Yeah, it's it's <clears throat> nuts. The um, yeah, I, I would say that's one you really do need to discover because of all these movies we discussed, that's the one that's kind of forgotten because it was a Canadian-made film, Canadian release. We didn't see the trailer with our Grindhouse. Um, it's free on a lot of apps. Uh, I got, I think it's free on Vudu yeah, and uh, Tubi right now. And it's fantastic. I, I mean, their use of color uh, is just amazing. Uh, I, 
I love kind of the the Mad Maxi kind of feel near the end with like the weird almost robot. Oh right, of, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was amazing. That was such a very particular choice, and I was like, I'm on board for that. Yeah, and I, I love the sort of like unique uh, ways that they kill people in this movie, which was kind of disturbing, but. I kind of miss that for movies that just kind of go for something out there and weird. Like I love the, uh, they, they have like these uh, weapons where they would tie like a rope around your neck and then shoot it into the roof to hang you with. Yeah. It was so badass. Well, I was thinking, and, and me and Andrew were talking about this cause, um, our podcast video night tries to find movies about, um, a particular theme, but we try to find movies that aren't that well known or kind of forgotten. They were hits at the time, but kind of forgotten, not discussed anymore. And it feels like in the eighties and up until about the mid nineties, studios were still trying to do off kilter stuff with the mainstream stuff. But it was the independent companies who were like, "Look, we got three million dollars. We can't afford to compete in the same way. We have to make something so unique. If it's not particularly a good movie, we have to have something that stands out." And that way, if we don't do well in theaters, we'll be found on video. And that kind of right, yeah. died when, uh, I would say, like, the weird movies, the the strange oddball kind of stuff died off when they became sort of mainstream. When B-movies and Tarantino and all that, all those guys started discovering, you know, hey, people are interested in this kitschy stuff from the 70s and 80s, and it became more mainstream, is when I feel like all this, god damn it, I can't stand any of the directed video shit now. It's not even about plot. It's not about concept. It's like, what are it, it, what's the script? Uh, who can we get attached to it? Can we pre-sell this overseas first? How much did we get in sales? Two million dollars. Okay, so we'll make it for one point five million dollars. We'll pocket the other half a uh, half a million dollars, and it'll just die on video. It'll be it'll go to Netflix for a couple months, and then no one will talk about it anymore. Yeah, and then meanwhile, there are like some truly amazing movies out there that just can't get anywhere, like um, Under the Silver Lake. Which yeah. is probably my favorite movie of last year. Although it came out in 2018, it was bought by A24, and then they just sat on it for an entire year, and then just dumped it on direct video. I will say this though: A24 is one of the only labels out there still trying. There's who else would put Tusk in like 3,000 screens? That's insane. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I love I love A24. I love like almost everything that they put out is awesome that I've seen so far. Um, but that was just a huge mistake on their part. Yeah, it, but there's a lot of people. There's too much content, and a lot of it's generic. I don't understand why I'm seeing, oh, the Marine 5 is getting released on Netflix and getting a lot of promotion. Fucking Marine 5, the fifth sequel to a movie that bombed in the first place. But then you get movies like Josie with Dylan oh, is McDermott. That the, is that like the John Cena one? Yeah, yeah, they keep making sequels. Ew. And they shoot them like in 10 days. They shoot them for like $1.5 million Fox. And Universal have these labels where they just continue to make sequels to movies. And some of them weren't even successful. I don't fucking understand why I'm seeing, uh, oh, god damn it. There's a movie with Damon Wayans and Adam Sandler from 1996. Oh, it's called Bulletproof. They're making a sequel now for direct-to-video with nobody I recognize. And they shot it for like $800,000. This is what they put their money behind. That's fucking stupid. And is it is it Bad Boys three or four that's coming out? Three is coming out in January, and I'll say this: I hate the first two. But that trailer for the third one looks interesting, but I'm not going to go see it in the theaters. And I bet you it cost 130 million dollars. Right, because it's got Will Smith. I mean, who's asking for that though? No, I don't. Apparently, is there uh, like hardcore. Is there like hardcore Bad Boys fans that really yes. demanded another one? They they love part two because it's so insane. I think part two is a giant ball of shit. 
And I don't mind. I'm not the guy who shits all over remakes and sequels. I kind of like world building as long as you're building a world. I mean, as long as it's not just, oh, another James Bond sequel with no connection to the previous ones, which was a plague when I was yeah, a kid. But I want to see hey. more unique, independent ideas. One of my favorite movies of the last decade was Final Girls. If you want to talk about Grindhouse exploitation films, that's a love letter to slasher films of the 80s. And it has that... I've never even heard of that one. Oh, Final Girls so goddamn good. It might be my favorite horror movie now. Um, oh, wow. Okay. I'll it's, it it's basically uh, the kid who starred in... Have you ever seen Near Dark? Uh, yes. Okay, so you know the little kid, the little chubby vampire kid who's really whiny? Uh, it's been a while. Um, well, he was in like uh, a bunch of movies around that time. Well, his father was... Um, in The Exorcist, he's the other priest, not Max von Sydow. I can't remember his name right now, but he died. For, Jason Miller, that's, that was his name. Uh, Jason Miller died somewhat young. He didn't have much of a career. He only did like ten movies. And whenever people would ask him about his father, they always talked about The Exorcist. They obsessed with The Exorcist. And so, in order to deal with the loss of his father and this whole obsession with The Exorcist, he made a movie called Final Girls. And it's about a girl who deals with the death of her mother, who was in one hit movie called Camp Blood or something like that. And I'm pretty sure it's called Camp Blood. And it's just a Jason style movie and she gets trapped in the movie and she uses the rules of that world to try to save the mother. It's it's really complicated and strange. But it's 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 funny. But it, the way they do it is so unique and so sincere, and I've never cried at a horror movie. It's never happened. I have seen Final wow. Girls ten times now, and I still te- I tear up every single time. I, mean, I, I just Jesus, the, I gotta check this the out. The performances are so sincere. It's really, really funny. It, I wouldn't say it's necessarily scary, but it is tense because you know of certain things that are going to happen because you and I both know the rules of slasher films of the 80s, so you know what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. and that dread... Um, just sits there and just digs away at you like a rotting tooth. Wow! And the score. Right, holy well, this, fucking this crap. turned from a yeah. this turned from a hobo with a shotgun review to a twin girls review. Well, I mean, uh, everybody time, go check it out. It's, it's still connected though because it uses the same methods that Robert Rodriguez and these guys use. He uses a filter over it to make it look like a slasher movie that has you know like a work print that's a little wore out. There's editing things, but it's, it's it's a love letter to those style of movies you discovered on VHS or late night on HBO. Cool. I, I got to check this out. You got to send me a link if you can find yeah, it. Yeah, I, I am. It's 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 the first movie since Rocky Horror Picture Show that I know of that has been revived in midnight showings all over this country. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so before we go on this one, was there any other trailers? I feel like I'm missing. Oh, thank. Oh, oh no, we're Thanksgiving. Shit, I almost forgot. We almost got yes. ended this episode without talking about Thanksgiving. He promised. Uh, and I, he promised he was going to make yeah. Thanksgiving. He said he had the funding for it, and it never happened, and I'm pissed. <laughs> yep, he had to make the Green Inferno, I guess, and I, I don't know what, what's going on. But he said the funding in Green Inferno, uh, they added in a million dollars so that he could go shoot Thanksgiving, and it never happened. Yeah, I don't know. And that one is a is also a fantastic trailer. Uh, yeah. I've seen that one dozens of times. Uh, it's absolutely hysterical. Uh, I would love to see this movie. Yes, it feels like a trauma film. Um, or borderline. Yes, it, it feels like one of those... You know how you had uh, the slash movies in the 80s, and there's usually like three tiers. There's the studio level, like... Uh, 
uh, Terror Train and the Fog and then Road Games and stuff like that. Then you go down a notch and then you got like, uh, oh, maybe My Bloody Valentine. You know, there's still studio money, but you can clearly see it was a Canadian film first that was bought by a studio. The, the budget isn't that great, but it's still got some decent story and, and, and gore. Then you got the low level. The clearly shot by some independent fly-by-night company that was done for like $250,000 and no good actors. You might recognize maybe one person. It's got some gore in it, but it's really low-level gore, but it's the, it's the concept that gets you. Oh, my God. The, uh, that, the, yeah, that trailer makes me laugh every fucking time. That scene, that part when... Uh, the killer cuts off the turkey's head or whatever at the Thanksgiving Day parade. Yeah. <laughs> and cuts the guy's head off. And then it cuts to them at the crime scene later and he's like touching it. It's like, this is blood. And the cop's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I wish he had oh, said, this is gravy. <laughs> isn't, there a, isn't there like a turkey's giving or Thanksgiving? There's like a killer turkey film or something. Oh, I'm sure there is. Thanks, killing sounds familiar. Yeah, oh, that was like an evil turkey or something. We we joked for years when uh, I'm sure you've seen this. Um, back in 2011, I made up this whole. I was writing a story about uh, what if I had sold a script to a, a small independent studio and we were going to film this low low budget. Thanksgiving monster movie for Sci-Fi Channel. It was called. Uh, it was where I, I, I took a, a shark. In a turkey, and I combined them into one hybrid monster, and it was called Gobblefins. But then the studio made me change it. <laughs> but but the studio made me change it to Tryptophins, which I thought was much better. <laughs> that's actually that's actually good. Yeah, I even had a friend do a comic book panel as if it was. Uh, oh, I got a license deal with IDW Comics to do a Gobble or a Tryptophins comic book. <laughs> oh my god! And hilarious. I wrote this all out over like I would do it like it was a journal. And I did this over mm-hmm. like a two week period of time, and eventually, what the story was is that um, the film was finished. We got Val Kilmer to appear in it for one day, and he was so embarrassed by it that he stole the movie and held it hostage. And <laughs> and Erica Strada was the security guard that helped him, you know, get it out or whatever. And Sci Fi Channel there saw he is. <laughs> Sci Fi Channel saw the final print and they said, No, that's okay, we don't want it and it just lost to oblivion. I came into work on Monday and everybody congratulated me on selling my first script and I was like, What the fuck are you talking about? And like we saw your post, you sold us a script about the turkey shark monster. I was like you guys, I literally said at the beginning that I was joking. Did you not read this? And they're like they were fucking angry yeah. with me. They were literally mad at me. And I was like I clearly did not fly to Los Angeles over the weekend, <laughs> sell a script, make the movie, and then come back on Monday. It's, it's not... Uh, idiots. Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> and you worked with some of these people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, have you... Speaking of Eric Estrada, have you seen Cool Cat Saves the Kids? No, I've never even heard of this. This is a movie? Holy balls. It's kind of a movie. It's very what you could loosely call a movie. It was like a series of internet PSAs that this insane man made. And then he like strung them together uh, into a movie. And it's the most insane shit you've ever seen. Okay, it's I, gotta, I gotta see this. You know, I, we you were gonna, Yes, please. We still have on our list to do an Eric Estrada movie. I have it on oh, my dude, mask. Please, please yeah. add this. I, I think he's only in one scene. Okay. But uh, it's. It's it, and Vivica A. Fox is in there. Too. Oh, of course, because Vivica awesome. A. Fox is in everything now. But no, I have it on my list that we were going to do a blast 
oriented uh, episode. And to explain that, I mean light blast, blast fighter. And I thought I had another one in here that had the word blast in it, but isn't it like laser blast or just like this kid? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like that's it. Laser blast. Gun. Yeah, he yeah, gets it. He gets a ray gun. They made a. They, they did a remake of laser blast that I've been wanting to see it, for like what? thirty years. Called um, Deadly Weapon has one of the kids from F- uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Four, I believe, the wizard kid. Um, oh, the, oh, that was number three. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so it's three. The Dream mm-hmm. Warriors. Yeah. One of those kids. He ends yeah. up in this movie where it's a remake of Laser Blast, just with a better budget, and uh, the gun apparently has some sort of curse in it. I don't. You've never seen Laser Blast? It's fucking bananas. Oh right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've seen Laser Blast. That one's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I want to find Deadly Weapon. I'm gonna look around the YouTube see if I can find clips of that at least. But uh, you have to yeah, send me like good. Cool Cats. What is it called again? Cool Cool Cat saves the kids. Okay. That sounds nuts. I can't believe we talked about this it's... for an hour. <laughs> but yeah, uh, one of these days, maybe era, Eli Roth will give us Thanksgiving, but seeing the way that he's doing uh, mainstream movies now, House of the Clock in His Walls, I, don't, I think he's gone mainstream, dude. Well, maybe he, I mean, it could be like, a, I don't want to compare him to Taika Waititi because Taika Waititi is actually an amazing uh, writer and director. Um, but maybe Eli Roth is just kind of like accepting that he has to do a studio movie every now and then to fund his personal oh, projects. Oh yeah. Well, um, look at Martin Scorsese. Scorsese for the first decade, yeah. he wrote basically uh, Raging Bull because after that he had a flop, 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 and then he said, "I, I got to go studio, or I'm never going to make it." So, look at him now. Yep, making Hugo another. Fantastic! Movie. Fucking love Hugo. I am scared to watch Irishman. It's looks. Me too. Uh, I, like everyone says it's great, but I have like this hesitancy, or I'm like, I'm not. I don't, I don't know about him. Yeah, sure. And yeah, I'm just holding off. From watching it. One of these days when I have insomnia, maybe I'll sit up and watch it. <laughs> yeah, the three and a half hour movie. Oof. Yeah, go for it. Without laser blast, no way, man. I have no attention span. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm mercifully a, shorter. I'm a fucking child. I swear to God, I'm just a child. <laughs> All right, so that is the end of this episode. Um, anything you want to say before we go? Uh, nope. Stay trashy, kids. All right, everybody, check us out on Video Night Podcast page on Facebook. I stopped. It. I there was a skip. I took out some footage there, people. That's what happened. That's what I'll go with. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good night. All right, bye.